right? And um, you Northerners, I'm sorry, that's just, um, we, we just have a different vocabulary. But, um, and so we, we see that he says this, I'm thankful for you all. Now let's just be real honest. Now he, I don't know what the size of this church that he's writing to. But I, I, if I could just imagine in my mind if, if it's any, any uh, size whatsoever uh, that he's right, these people that he's writing to uh, and he makes this statement that I'm thankful for you all. Now let's just be real honest that, and I've been in the ministry long enough uh, that I have run into some people uh, that I'll just be real honest I don't know if I could say I'm thankful for them. I remember one time I, I was pastored, uh, first pastored and um, I, I was having some trouble and I called one of my um, older, older uh, pastor uh, influences and I said, listen, I said, I said, I'm having trouble. This is the situation. I said, I don't know what to do. And he started laughing. He said, what's her name? And... Um, he hit the nail on the head. It was a her. It was a her. But anyway, the case is, and so the, and she was. She's one of them that I can just honestly say it's been many years since I've been her pastor, and I, I just don't. I, in my prayer time, I, there's never come a place where I said, "Lord, thank you for that person," because they was just such a such a uh, a hardship in that time, and just constantly battling and fighting and and stirring up stuff. But Paul, as he's Right into this, he says, I'm thankful for all of you, for, for every single one of you. And I, I want you to notice what Mark chapter number 4, verse number 3 and 8, he's talking about the, the sower coming and sowing the seed. And uh, he talks about the stony ground. And he uh, talks about the, uh, the, uh, the one that had no earth and how that the seeds, the Bible says, and some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no fruit. But then he talks about this good ground. He says, and the other fell on the good ground. It did yield fruit that sprang up and increased, and some brought forth some thirty, some sixty, and some hundred. Now, when Jesus is teaching this, and as Paul is, he's talking about this in Romans, in Romans verse number 8, he's talking about them all. Listen, there's going to be people that you and I come in contact with church, they're going to fall into that category. They're going to be, there are going to be those who are, who are uh, hitting a hundred, doing a hundred percent, there's going to be some that are doing 60%, and then there's going to be some that are doing 30%, and sad reality, then there's going to be those who are doing probably five or even less percent. But really, realize this morning that even those who are doing the very least, we as Christians are supposed to be thankful for them, simply but not because of what they're doing necessarily, but because of who they are. If they are a child of God, it is my responsibility to be thankful for them because they are still a child of God. Romans chapter number 5, verse number 5 says this, And hope, hope maketh not a shame, because the love of God is a shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. And so as he makes this statement that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, the Spirit of God lives inside of every born-again believer and God, the Spirit of God, uh, God loves His church, God loves His people, God loves His children. And so if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and walking in the Spirit of God and in communion with the Spirit of God, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to love people. I'm going to love those who God loves. A lot of the, a lot of the problem is, is when, I, when I come in contact with somebody who's contrary or somebody... 
uh, that oftentimes, uh, um, uh, let's just say it gets on our nerves. Uh, um, and, I, and I have an issue with, with really, really uh, having the mindset toward them uh, that I ought to have. You know why it is? Is because somewhere I'm not walking with God the way I should. And if you and I, if you and I are really in tune with the Spirit of God and walking with the Spirit of God, we are going to be able to tolerate them. Yes, I said tolerate because some people you have to tolerate. Um, but we're going to be able to tolerate them better. Why? Because we understand just as much as I'm a child of God, they are a child of God. And so a lot of times as we deal with people, when the, when the, uh, the child of God does not have love in their hearts for others, it, a lot of times it's because there's a problem with them quenching or grieving the Spirit of God. And so Paul, as he begins this, sharing his heart, he tells us about those that he is thankful for, and he's thankful for all of them. And many times as church, Brother Jim talked about it some in Sunday school this morning. By the way, if you're not coming to Sunday school, you need to come to Sunday school. One of the problems is, is Sunday school is where you dig roots in. You get a little bit into the, uh, the weightier matters of things. You're able to grow. You're able to get in contact. I, I remember uh, several years ago, I pastored a person, uh, some people in, in the church, and um, they just quit coming. I went to see them. I asked them, and I said, well, why would you quit coming? And they said, well, we just don't feel like we're part of the family. And um, I, I was young and dumb back then. Uh, and um, I said, well, here's the problem. Here's the reason you're not part of the family. I said, you only come on Sunday mornings. You never come to Sunday school. You never come on Wednesday night. And when you do come on Sunday morning, it's mostly Easter and Christmas. I said, how can you be part of a family that you're never around? Somebody say amen right there. Well, it got quiet right there. Reality, if you want to be a part of a family, you're going to be part of that family, and you're going to invest your time in that family. A lot of the times the reason people don't feel part of the church family is just simply because they're not around it enough. And the more you get around, and by the way, family's not always blood. I, I, there's, there's people that I'm a lot clo- that there's some people that I'm not blood related to that I'm closer to than people I am blood related to blood does not determine family bond determines family and so the more you come to Sunday school the more to strengthen that bond alright that's my commercial for the day and so we see as Paul as he's dealing with this he, he talks about these people and there again that, that a lot of times when we fall in this area when we fall in this loving one another we we fall in it because we have this attitude well I, I love that one but not that this one I appreciate them but not those I'll fellowship with that one because they're interested in, in in the things that I'm interested in and I understand it's human nature to gravitate towards people that you have the same interest in and you have the same uh, the same maybe the same hobbies or what whatever uh, but a lot of times we, 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 tend to, we have a tendency to go towards that direction and what takes place is we, we begin to make them uh, um, uh, our go-to. We begin to make them um, our, our clique, if you will. And, one of the, and they're getting, uh, alluding back to what Brother Jim said in Sunday school, one of the greatest dangers in churches is cliques. You mark her down, every church that has ever split has always been because of a clique. And so we have to be careful among this. We have to understand that there again, the Spirit of God, if they are God's, uh, if they are God's child, I should love them. So we see the, the, the heart of Paul. We see, the te- we see that uh, of the thanksgiving of Paul for them all. 
And so and now not only do we see the thanksgiving, but also we see the testimony of Paul. That we see in this testimony that Paul begins to give in, in verse number 8 down through verse number 9, we, we see that it, he has a testimony from himself. Uh, notice what he says about this in the last part of verse number 8, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. What a testimony. What a testimony it is for the Apostle Paul to be able to write to these people and say, listen, I'm, I know that your faith, I'm able to hear of your faith across the globe. Wouldn't it be something for us to begin to go knock on doors in the community that you live in and, and the doors we begin to knock on and they, we tell them, hey, we're from Faith Baptist Church about the Lord Jesus and, and they say, hey, you don't have to tell me anything because uh, one of your members already lives in my community, community and has already told me about the Lord Jesus. Man, wouldn't that be an awesome experience? Wouldn't that be something to be, to be proud of? And so as Paul, as he's writing to this, he said, I want, I want to congratulate you. I want to uh, give you a kudos that, that the whole world knows about your faith. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse number 8 says this, for, uh, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, but, only in Ma- but not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad so that we need not speak anything. So we see the testimony from Paul. He's given them uh, congratulations for sharing their faith. But then we also see the testimony of Paul. Down through verse number 9 and verse number 12, we see the testimony of him praying. In verse number 11, we see the testimony of him longing to see them. But in verse number 12, I want you to notice verse number 12. That is, uh, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Boy, the local New Testament church, there's absolutely nothing like it. You can, you can belong to every moose and goose club you want to. And you'll never find anything better than the local New Testament church. You know why that is? Because that is what God established. Anything God established, nothing can be anything better than that which God has established. The world has tried to manufacture it. The world has tried to twist it. The world has taken the glorious thing of marriage and tried to make something different out of marriage, but Nothing is better than the type of marriage that God has set forth. There's nothing better than the church that God has set forth. And so Paul, as he's talking to these people, he's writing to these people of Romans, he says this, he says, first of all, he said that I may be comforted together. Well, aren't you glad that you can, you, your world can be crashing down? You can, have, you can have the worst week you've ever had. Things in your life are completely falling apart. Everything seems to be in a mess. But aren't you glad that you've got a place that you can walk into where your brothers and sisters may not know everything that's going on, but they know one thing, that they love you, they're concerned for you, and that they are going to see you through some of the darkest days in your life. You're not going to find that down at the bar room. Because when, when you're down at the bar room, when the good times stop coming, you know what they're going to do? They're going to run. But aren't you glad that in the church, when the good times stop, you still have God's people surrounding, surrounding you and loving on you and caring for you. 
when everything seems to be going absolutely the opposite direction of good, that's when God's people is sometimes the best. And I don't know about you this morning, but I wouldn't want to belong to any other organization than that of the local church. Nothing should triumph or nothing should come before my, uh, my obligation and my devotion than the local church. It is a shame that many people are more devoted to some, to some civic clubs than they are the local church. Friend, I'm going to tell you the local church is going to help you raise your family. The local church will help you when times get tough. The local church is going to, be, going to shed tears when you shed tears. The local church is going to shout when you shout when times are good. They're going to be there at the funeral home. They're going to be there somewhere praying when you're in the hospital. They're going to be there when the world gets dark. And I say thank God for the local church. You can't put too much emphasis on the church. And by the way, that is the only thing that, that God ever bled and died for. I think if, if it's important enough for God's Son to die for, it's important enough for me to be faithful to. The local church. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse number 12, and verse number 25 and 26 says this, For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. Verse number 25 and 26, That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffereth, all the members suffer with it. Or what one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. So we think about the, this local New Testament church as Paul uh, makes his statement that he is comforted, that he can be comforted together with them. But notice this also in verse number 12, by the mutual faith, both of you and me. As I, as I look around the room this morning, there's, there's all types of ages. Everybody in here is from a different walk of life. Everybody in here is in a different part of life. Everybody in here is, has been through different experiences. Nobody in this room today has the same, uh, is at the same level spiritually. Nobody is at the same place emotionally. Nobody's in the same place even, maybe even uh, physically. But aren't you glad that that don't, that don't matter when it talk, comes to the church? That I don't have to be the most spiritual? That you don't have to be the most spiritual? But the most spiritual and the least spiritual can come together hand in hand and worship the same Savior? Aren't you glad that when you come into the church this morning, there's not a hierarchy? There's no big eyes and little U's? That everybody's on the same playing field? Everybody's just one thing? If they're, sa if they're saved, they're just a sinner saved by the grace of God? And so Paul, as he makes this statement, he says, I thank God for you. But also the reason I'm thanking God for you is because of that, because of your faith. But not only because of your faith, because when we come together, we're comforted together. Listen, the worst thing you can do in a storm or the worst thing that you can do in the midst of hardship or in the midst of loss or the midst of grieving or the, even in the midst of hurt, the worst thing you can do is separate yourself from the church. Listen, if the devil can isolate you, he will have no problem annihilating you. And so many people, I say, I, I remember one time I had, had a, a lady come and she, she had a very rough background and, 
And she uh, come a few Sundays and uh, we went out and visited her and she said, well, preacher, she said, I, I want to come to church. She said, I, I love it there. I love your preaching. I love all this. Uh, I, I'm not, she might have been lying about my preaching. I don't know, but I, I, I took it anyway. And uh, she said, but here's the thing. She said, I've got a lot going on in my life right now. And she said, when I get it straight, she said, I'll come back. I said, that's the worst thing you can do. She said, what do you mean? I said, because you'll never get it straight. I said, so I'll tell you what you do. I said, you bring your baggage. I'll bring my baggage. And everybody else will bring their baggage. And we'll all bring it to the church and we'll just lay it at the feet of Jesus and let him handle everybody's baggage at one time. That's the way the church is supposed to be. It don't matter what's going on in your life. It don't matter what's going on in my life. It don't matter what baggage you may have. It, may not, it don't matter what damage you have. It don't matter anything like that. Just bring it all and lay it at the feet of Jesus uh, and let's just get in this thing together and realize, hey, we're all messed up. There's not a one person in here that is not messed up. Y'all don't believe that? Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us are messed up, as we used to say, used to say in school, messed up from the floor up. And that's the way we are. But aren't you glad we can all, there's not a one of us that God, through Christ, cannot fix our problems. So I'm just trying to tell you this morning that no matter what your problems may be, they're not too big for the Lord. And whatever your problems may be, the devil will say nobody cares, but reality is, is the church is supposed to care. The church is supposed to be a place that people genuinely care. And if the church ever ceases to be a place where people don't care, it has ceased being a church, and now it's nothing more than a social club that you pay dues to. So Paul says, when we gather together, I'm comforted in that. But then also that not only that, because of your faith, that of that mutual faith, both in you and me. And there again, listen, what a, another thing I should go, go in dire, that direction. We're all different, but one thing's for sure. If you're saved and I'm saved, we've got a common denominator. His name is Christ. And listen, I may, not be, I may not be able to get on board with everything you do. You may not, ever, you may not be able to get on board with everything I do. One thing's for sure, if we can't both get on board with Christ, there's a big problem. You may not dot your I's and cross your T's like I do. I may not dot my I's and cross my T's like you do. But that should not be the focus. The focus should be one and one thing is Christ. And listen, if, I, if, I, if my focus is based upon Christ, I'll dot my I's and cross my T's the way they're supposed to be dotted and the way they're supposed to be crossed. And if the focus in your life is Christ and pleasing Christ and growing in Christ and serving Christ, you know what? You're going to dot your I's and you're going to cross your T's the same way, the way they're supposed to be done. God is not in the cookie-cutting business. God is interested in individuals. And so many times we have this philosophy, and I can remember... When I was young in the ministry, I thought everybody should have the same convictions I had. And I did my dead level best to beat it into people. It's a million wonders they didn't beat me. Some of them probably would have if they caught me in a dark corner somewhere. 
But reality of it is, is we're all going to see things differently in some areas. And that's okay. As long as Christ and the Word of God is the center of it. That is the focus. So that's the focus of what Paul is saying here. We see the thanksgiving of Paul. We see the testimony of Paul. But then notice we see the task. Verse number 14, he says, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, to the wise and to the unwise. The word debtor means an ower, a person that is indebted. Paul says he's indebted to the Greeks, he's indebted to the barbarians. The Greeks would be those of great learning. The barbarians would be those of, of lower class society. And he would go on, to, uh, uh, go on with that and say, I'm a debtor to the wise, I'm a debtor to the unwise. Uh, meaning, signaling, signaling, signaling this, uh, that there is nobody that he is not a debtor to. That everybody that he comes in contact with, he is a debtor to them on one thing. And it is the gospel of Christ. There's nobody you and I will ever meet that we're not a debtor to. You say, what do I owe them? You owe them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You owe them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what Paul is saying. He says, not only am I a debtor, I owe them the gospel. But he says, also says this. He says, I'm a doer. Notice verse number 16. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. All that Paul had went through and all the, all the, 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 the horrendous things that Paul endured when he is in the ministry, it did not cause him to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He did not go around with his head down and mumbling, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. But I believe wholeheartedly it, with every beating and every shipwreck and every imprisonment, his voice just got louder and louder and louder of the gospel of Christ. And listen, in this day the world wants to shut down the Christians. In this day the world don't want to hear the gospel message. In this day the world wants the Christians to be silent while everybody else is in an uproar. But with every, every time that somebody says no to the gospel message, every time someone laughs or mocks or makes fun of us for spreading the gospel, it ought not cause our voice to go weaker and weaker, but it ought to cause our voice to go grow stronger and stronger knowing this, that with every passing day, Jesus is coming sooner today than He was yesterday. And when today is done and tomorrow has come, He'll be coming sooner tomorrow than He was today. And our today is not a day when our voice should be weak and anemic. Our today is a day that our voice should be as loud and as strong as it has ever been. And so Paul would say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And the reason he was not ashamed of the gospel because of the power that is contained in the gospel. I was, read, I was reading a book and this writer made this statement and talking about uh, Paul being ashamed. He says this, uh, he said, Every believer knows that being ashamed of our Savior is a serious sin. However, every believer also knows the difficulty of avoiding that sin. Boy, isn't that true? We know that being ashamed of the gospel and being ashamed of Christ is a very serious thing. God, Christ said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I, before my Father, I'm going to be ashamed of you. 
That's paraphrasing. That's Charlie version right there. But that's a very serious thing. But it's also very hard to avoid, isn't it? There's probably not a safe person in this building today that sometime this week we didn't commit that sin. We, we may not have committed it intentionally. But probably all of us this week at some point could fall into that category. I'm having to get used to the town life. Where I'm from, if somebody walks down the road, that usually means their vehicle ran out of gas. Around here, people walk for no reason. I mean, some of them walk because they want to do this thing called exercise. I'm not sure if that's a cuss word or not. And I can't take it. I'm, I'm, I'm a very modest person. There's just some things you... I, I, there's just some very things I just don't do. I, I don't wear shorts in public, and if you do, God bless you. I just, my legs are too white, and the sun. If you, somebody come to the house, and I was in shorts, and I jumped up, and ran to bed, cake, I said, "What's wrong? I got put, I got clothes on, even though I was fully dressed. I had to put clothes on." But I'm having to get used to a city life that I just can't walk out to my vehicle and it not expect somebody to be walking down the road. It's different. I, I went, was walking from, I come over here to the church and was walking over to the house and the day and person walking down the road, don't know who they are, if you're kin to them, I'm just said, this is what happened. And I spoke to them, hey, how you doing? Good. They're trying to find some money for a hotel room, this, that, and other. And I just, I said, well, I said, okay, have a day. And, and I got in the house, and it hit me. The first opportunity. And in essence, you know what I did? In essence, could you not say in that moment that I committed a sin in a because I did not take time to tell them about the gospel. See how easy it is? It's a serious thing. It's very hard to avoid. So we see the task. He's a debtor. He's a doer. He's not ashamed of it. And the reason he's not ashamed is because of the power that is contained within him. It is the power of God. That word power is dynamos, which is the word that we get our word dynamite from. It is explosive. Now, very quickly, I want to talk to you about the explosive power of the gospel just for a moment. The most strongest force known to man is not a bomb. It is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen to me, the, the gospel is powerful. It, it, he uses the word 
of thinking of an explosive. When something explodes, it, 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 it affects everything it comes in contact with. Listen, friend, the gospel's just that. It will affect everything it comes in contact with. Just think about it. All of us this morning have some way, somehow, been affected by the gospel of Christ. Why? Because of the explosive power that it has involved. And listen, if you, if you want to see God do something, you begin to get the gospel out to people and begin to watch all the ways that it touches hearts and it touches lives. Sure, there's going to be some that are rejected, but aren't you glad that even in this day, if God was finished saving sinners, honey, we'd be in heaven shouting her out, uh, marching down the streets of gold, singing glory, 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 but we're still here, and the reason we're still here is because God is not done the saving uh, men, women, boys, and girls. I don't know who the last person is that's going to be saved. I have no clue, and, it's, and nobody else does, but it's my job to get the gospel out to as many people. Well, why? Because the gospel is explosive. If I can get the, get the gospel uh, to, to a boy or to a girl, who's to say it might, not, it, might not, it might not at that moment do anything to them, but it may explode in the heart of the mother and the heart of the father and the, and the home that used to be broken is now put together. Why? Not because of Dr. Phil and not because of Oprah and not because of all this uh, other thing. Because of the gospel. It, 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 it affects everybody it comes in contact with. That's why lost people hate the gospel so much is because of how it affects them. The gospel is salt. It burns when it gets in the wounds. I, I, I remember many years ago when I was a little a little boy, I don't remember exactly where it was we went. We was on, on vacation. I remember I scrubbed, scraped my knee and somehow or another, I, I, I don't remember where it, where it was. I want, did we ever go to SeaWorld? Oh, so it must have been SeaWorld. That tells you, I don't even remember where it was. It tells you how, I, but I remember this. I remember that big old whale come out that water. And it splashed. And that salt water got where I skipped my knee. And the amazement of that whale ceased to exist in my mind because the only thing I could think of was, ow, my knee. Salt, when it gets into wounds, affects. Light that has hurriedly shined in to dim eyes hurts the eyes. So no wonder the lost world doesn't want the gospel because it hurts their eyes and it hurts the wounds that the world has inflicted upon them. But nothing has the power to heal wounds and to open eyes like the gospel of Christ. Paul says, I'm a debtor, I'm a doer, and my task is this, is to get the gospel to these people. He's not ashamed of the power of the gospel, nor is he ashamed of the people that the gospel is available to. Notice this, for I'm not ashamed of the, the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto, in, unto salvation to everyone that believeth. So when your musicians come,
aren't you glad we've got a gospel that's not just available to church people? I'm glad God didn't just come to save the righteous. God came to save the worst of the worst. And I'm glad the gospel can save the worst of the worst and make them the best of the best. This morning the gospel is explosive and it affects everyone that it comes in contact with. And I know, I know our world is getting dark and it's getting dim and boy, there's just so much wickedness. But I, I wonder what, what God could do with a handful of people if they'd just get a hold of the a hold of how much power the gospel really has. There's no telling. But I'm afraid some of us have been saved so long that we really have forgotten the power that is contained in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I'm glad in my few years I've seen marriages been put together by the gospel. Some of our best friends in Mississippi, husband was done. He said, I'm through. Come to church just to meet with me to tell me he won't be back. He said, I'm done. Three weeks later, his wife got born again. Some of the most faithless Christians you'll meet to this day. That's a, what, what, what anything they could have done? It was the power of the gospel that made the change. I've seen men in prison. Never see the light of day again. Free world. The power of the gospel affected them. God radically changed. Just trying to say, there's not a person that the gospel won't affect. Now they have the they have the right to choose to either push it away or to pull it to them. But even if they push it away, they cannot say that it has not affected them because it is that powerful. So this morning, if you've never been born again, the gospel will affect you. It'll it'll do some things in your heart, but nothing's greater. Nothing's greater than that which God wants to do in the life of the believer. This world is dark, but we have something that is powerful that can change the course of this world. It is the gospel. Hey, we've got something that can change the course of this church. It is the powerful gospel of Christ. You want to see God change this church? Here's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to get make the gospel available for men, women, boys and girls of all walks of life. And if you if you will do that, if we will do that, you will see God transform this church into something you've never seen in your life. Why? Because that's the power of the gospel. God help us to not forget how powerful it is. As we stand, every head bowed, every eye closed.